Our scripture today comes from Proverbs chapter 3, and there are two verses here that we want you to see. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. We're talking about the challenge of finding truth and wisdom. Because we all need truth and wisdom. And we don't need what is popularly called my truth. We need God's truth. And we need the ageless wisdom that comes from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Proverbs 3 was written to train young men in how to live. So I'm going to read some verses that are not on your screen but if you will follow along. Proverbs 3, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. I was amazed this week when I read an article that described the greatest deficit in America. Well, immediately you read the headline and your, your mind has to go to that $1 trillion budget deficit that the United States government has for this year. It's amazing. And then you have to think about the $31 trillion debt that we owe ourselves and the world, somebody, we owe and has to be repaid. And then you start thinking about all of the things in America that are in short supply, about energy and about gasoline and about in the middle of the pandemic toilet paper and so many other things. But this article wasn't about any of those things. Here was, the, here was the direct assertion they made. The greatest deficit in America is the deficit of wisdom. And then they started talking about the, the Greek word and the Hebrew word for wisdom. Remember, the, the Old Testament is written primarily in Hebrew, but also a little bit in Aramaic. And the New Testament was written in Greek. The New Testament word for wisdom means knowledge, information, stuff that you know, things that you want to know and you keep up with. And that's the Greek word for wisdom. But the Hebrew word for wisdom is very different. It's not about things you know. But the word wisdom describes a skill for living. And the writer of the article said that the greatest need that we have 
is life skills, to know how to live in life. After all, that's what this passage was about. It was to train young men about how to live, about how to be a good husband, and women, how to be a good wife, and how to love your children, how to be a family, how to make a living, how to find a basic meaning and joy out of life. If you're graduating from high school this year, you need life skills. If you're getting married this year, you need life skills. If you're having a child this year, you need life skills. If you are retiring this year, you need life skills. And if you're in the last quarter of your life, you need life skills. I talked to a couple of 15-year-old young men in the previous 30 minutes. And I said, this is the sermon for you. And it really is. And do you know why? Because about the time 15 years old, you are determining what your life is going to be. And you are deciding where I'm going to go and what, how I'm going to live. And, and you're deciding what's going to be important to you and what's going to matter in you, for you in life. When you are 15, you need the skills that equip you for life, and we all need those skills. So I have a checklist of seven things to be found in here. The first three of them talk primarily about truth, and the last four talk primarily about wisdom because those two are together. You can't have wisdom without truth. If you live in falsehood, you will ha not have any wisdom. And you can never really have truth until you have the wisdom that comes from the giver of truth. So let's make a checklist of seven things to do to find truth and wisdom. Number one is this. Uh, I have a bunch of different verses that I often describe as my favorite verses. And I realize the impossibility of having more than one favorite. But according to which day it is, this verse is my favorite verse. It's Matthew 10, 16. It's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Wolves destroy sheep. Sheep have no way to defend themselves. I send you out as sheep among wolves. He has told them they're to go into all the world. He has told them they're to make disciples. He has told them that they're to cast out demons, that they're to heal the sick that they're to preach the gospel. I send you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, if you're going to live in a world of wolves, you do, then you have to be wise 
as serpents. I promise you, God did not call Christian people to be naive. I promise you, God did not call Christian people to be weak. I promise you, God did not call Christian people to give up, but he called us to be strong, to be wise, to persevere, to be strong and courageous. And if we're going to live in this world of falsehood and rebellion and rebellion against God, then we have to be wise as serpents. Be wise as serpents and don't be deceived. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. Jesus spoke specifically about Satan. Go to, go to Luke chapter 4. Go to what, what Satan did to tempt Jesus. Notice what Jesus did to be strong in the midst of, of temptation and persecution. Be wise as serpents. Be ready. Understand. Here's what Jesus said about Satan. Several specific things, but two of them that jump out. The first one is he said Satan is a liar and that he is the father of lies. He is the original liar. He lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. Don't you want to be like God? You can be like God if you eat the fruit of the tree, if you refuse God, if you turn away from God, if you rebel against God. Satan is a liar. Second thing Jesus said about Satan is that he came to destroy you. And at this point, everybody should take this personally. He came to destroy me. He came to destroy each one of you. He came to destroy you. He came to destroy your family. He came to destroy your future. That is his goal. That is what he wants to do. Don't be deceived. Understand where truth comes from. Understand what truth means. Think about what's happened. If you are 15 years old, in your lifetime, the meaning of truth itself has been turned upside down. In your lifetime, things that have been known to be true for 4,000 years, people have said, are no longer true. Think about marriage. Think about sexuality. Think about male and female. Think about all of the things that are put before you constantly. Here's a good little thing to think about. If something has been true for 4,000 years, then more than likely it is still true. And the last 15 years have not changed that. Now, what happened 4,000 years ago? Well, 4,000 years ago, God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And he said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And you're to go where I tell you to go. And everywhere you put your foot, that's going to be your land. And Abraham followed God and he, he went after God and he lived for God. And God made of him a great nation. Things that were true 4,000 years ago 
with Abraham are probably still true. Things that were true 3,000 years ago, who lived then? David the king, 1,000 B.C., 3,000 years ago. Those things that were true then are still true. What about 2,000 years ago? When When they asked Jesus about marriage, here's what he always said. He said, God, when they were talking about divorce, he said, God made you male and female. And he talked about that covenant bond between a husband and a wife. The word covenant is very significant because God made a covenant with the people of Israel. And you know what he did? He stuck with them. No matter how the world changed, he stayed with them. Not because they were right, but because he was God. And when Jesus talked about marriage, he talked about a covenant bond of of bringing people together. And he, he reminded them that in the beginning, God made you male and female. What was What was true 2,000 years ago is still true. What was true 1,000 years ago is still true. A 1,000 years ago, the Scandinavians say that Leif Erikson traveled to America and and discovered the Americas. A 1,000 years ago, King Olaf of Norway. A 1,000 years ago, things that were true are still true. Be wise as serpents. The second thing is you deal with truth that you need to do is check results. Now, I'm not a daytime TV watcher. I've never been a daytime TV watcher. I think you could put all of the daytime TV I've ever seen in an eight-hour period of time. But one time I did watch it, And it was this guy with a microphone in his hand who was doing counseling on the air. And his favorite question was, how's that working for you? And since that time, that's been one of my favorite questions. Check results. Ask questions. How is this working in America? How are the things we are told are the truth? How is that working? Is that making people stronger, smarter, happier, more joyful, more peaceful? Is it bringing families together? Is it making us more peaceful and prosperous? The passage of Scripture we just read talked about following the ways of the Lord, obeying His commands, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. How is our day of 
rejecting God and moving away from God, how is that working for us? That's one question I think you ought to ask. How is that working? A second question you ought to, you ought to ask is this. You ought, to, you ought to ask, am I being manipulated? Am I being taken advantage of? Am I being used? A third question you ought to ask is, likened to it, is this person caring for me and my long-term best interest? Or is this about something else other than my peace and joy and happiness and my future and my life with God in my eternity? I love the words, it's on your sermon sheet. I love the words of 2 Corinthians 4 2. I, I brought it to your attention a couple of weeks ago. You know, for 2 Corinthians 4 2, Paul was defending the gospel and he was giving reasons. There were people who were accusing Paul of doing evil. So Paul had to defend himself because he had to defend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were people who were saying, Paul is manipulating. Paul is after money. Kind of hard to imagine a man who wouldn't take a salary could be described as being after money. But, he, but they said he's after money and he's after power and he's after prestige and he's using people. So here are the paraphrased words of what Paul said. We do no hocus pocus. We do no clever tricks. We, know, we do no dishonest manipulation of the word of God. We speak plain truth. And as you check results, you need to look at the results of what people are teaching and why they're teaching. I've always said you always need to check out what somebody says, even somebody who stands behind the Word of God and preaches the Word of God. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and we need to look at the result of the things that people do. The third checklist is let Scripture speak to your heart because Scripture speaks to all of the issues that we face. Some of them, sometimes not directly, but Scripture speaks to what we need in life. In, in, Psalm, in Psalm 119, look at these beautiful words. Verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And the two verses that are before it say, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your teaching. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. The scripture tells us to let, to let God lead us, that, that his words are a light unto our path and, and they are a lamp unto our feet that he shows us his way. Let scripture speak to you and let the word of God be real in your life. Find a way to start reading the word of God. And if you do nothing else, just start in the gospel of John and read a chapter a day and let God speak to you. And then you find real truth. Then you find the truth that is more than 4,000 years old. And then you find the truth that goes to all eternity. You find the truth of the God 
in whom there was no beginning and the God in whom there is no end. You find the truth that comes from the God who is the same yesterday and today and forever. He changes not. Let Scripture speak to your heart. Let Scripture show you the way. The fourth thing to do, because it's all about Scripture, is reject anxiety and embrace prayer. Talk to a psychologist in our church. He's been doing this a long time. And here's what he said. He said there was a time when depression was the most common disorder that people had. And he doesn't mean that there's less depression now. He said, but what has happened is that anxiety has catapulted to the top. And that many, many people are struggling with anxiety. And oftentimes they are anxious without any reason for being anxious. They don't know why they are anxious. They are just anxious. Well, the Word of God speaks to that. Paul said to the church at Philippi, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart, make your request known unto God. And here, here's what I think... Paul had in mind. I think Paul had in mind that when we face anxiety, I assure you Paul had every reason to be anxious. He wrote this in the 50s, the late 50s AD. By at least AD 65, Paul had been imprisoned two times in that decade and by AD 65 had been beheaded by the Roman government. Paul had every reason to be anxious. He had reason to be anxious because there was a whole group of people who followed him around contradicting the preaching of the gospel, saying that that gospel is not the true gospel. Paul had every reason to be anxious, but his idea was that we would take everything in our lives and that we would lay it before God and we would say, God, here is my anxiety, I give it unto you, and I trust you, and I'm going to let you be in charge in my life. The old preachers used to say it this way, pray it through. In other words, play it, pray it to completion. Lay it before God and leave it before God and let God bring peace into your heart. The, past, the part of the scripture I didn't read is where Paul said, don't be anxious in anything, but in everything. With prayer and supplication, make your request known to God and the peace of God will stand guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But what do we look, where do we look for peace? In alcohol? In drugs of all kinds? In good 
times. But that's not peace. But God's peace, as Paul said, is beyond any human comprehension. Reject anxiety and choose peace. Number five, trust God to reveal truth and to lead you in righteous paths. In other words, here's what you have to do. There has to be a time in your life when you lay down your life before God. If you've ever been here before, you know what we do. We talk about salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about being saved by grace through faith. We talk about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, that we might stand before God in right standing, not because what we've done, but because what the Lord Jesus did for us. And what we seek to do is to encourage you to lay your life down before God and to say unto him, God, I trust you. Please lead me in right paths. Please bring about change in my heart and my life that I would know you and live for you and serve you and guide you. God, I want you to lead me. I want to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I don't want to do things my way. I want to acknowledge who you are in every decision of my life so that you can direct my paths. Ask God to reveal truth to you and to lead you in right paths. The 23rd Psalm says he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Right paths are going to be good paths and they're going to bring us to good places. So if you are 15, or graduating from high school, or having a baby, or getting married, or retiring. Trust God to reveal truth and to lead you in right paths to show you the way. God created you to follow Him. You were made for this. It may seem strange to the world, but this is why God created you. He made you in His image for a purpose. He wants you to know Him and follow Him, and He wants to guide you through life, and He wants to bring you a life that is, that is not always easy, but that is filled with peace and joy and meaning and purpose. A great theologian said these words. I've, I've told them to you before. I've tried to live by them. He said the two happiest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you figured out why you were born. And God wants you to know why you were born, to serve Him and to honor Him. Trust God to reveal truth and lead you in righteous paths. Number six, ask and act in God's timing. 
Now, this little phrase I'm going to say may seem a little bit strange, but the only problem, the, the most of the problem we have for God is God's timing. Because when we want something, we want it right now. And when we ask God, we expect it right now. I want to encourage you to learn to ask in God's timing. And to ask in God's timing means that you trust God with your life. God, this is not the what I wanted to happen in life. This is not how I wanted things to be. But I trust you. That's a real act of faith. I trust you. I put my life in your hands. I put my future in your hands. I know you love me. I know you care for me. I trust you. And God, I'm asking this, but I even submit to your timing. I want to tell you, when something tells you, hurry, 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 you got to work hard at it, it is probably not God. It probably is Satan. You got to make a choice right now. Which way are you going to go? But God says, be still and know that I am God and it's implied and that you can trust me and put your life in my hands. That's what we want to ask you to do, that you put your life in the hands of the loving heavenly Father who gave his son to die for you who loves you with an eternal love that wants to see you in heaven with him forever. Ask in God's timing. Number seven, acknowledge God in all things. So no matter what you're going to do today, acknowledge God in it. What you're going to do tomorrow at school, acknowledge God in school. What you're going to do for work, acknowledge God in work. What you're going to do when you go home today, acknowledge God in your family, in your relationships with the people around you. Acknowledge that God is the Lord. And don't lean on your own understanding so that He can direct your paths. I wonder, do we ever think about this? that if we would let God do it, God would lay out a path for us. And he'd keep us out of the ditches. Only people in South Louisiana understand ditches. That God would keep us out of the ditches. That God would say, this is the way, walk in it. This is the good way. It's, it's a narrow path. It's a difficult path. But this is the way, walk in it. Do you ever think about God in that way? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could put in, we could close our eyes and in our mind we see a road that is before us, a straight and narrow path that leads to where God wants us to be. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Acknowledge God in everything. I read a story this week. My guess is very few of you have read it. It should have been on the headlines of every paper in the country. It should have been the lead 
article in every newscast because it is so strange and so different. A man in Monroe County, Mississippi, walked into the sheriff's office and sat down before the sheriff. 37 years old, his name is James Earl Crisp. They know each other, knew each other well. About two and a half or three years ago, the sheriff arrested James Earl Crisp. Drug charges, terrible drug charges, meth distribution, all kinds of things. But allowed James Crisp to go to a rehab center, to a Christian rehab center. And there, James Crisp was saved. And it was so obvious to everybody that, that this was very real and very powerful in his life. And James Chris learned scripture. And then they started letting him minister to new people in the program. So he is a teacher and he is a preacher. And if you go to their website, you can see James Crisp because of his teaching and his preaching and his ministry. So the sheriff of Monroe County, Mississippi, was shocked to no end when James Crisp came in, sat down, and said to the sheriff, I need to tell you something that nobody knows. Four years ago, I was in on a drug deal, and I killed a man, and I hit his body, and it has never been found. And I wiped his truck down, and there was no evidence, but I killed him. And I stand every day and preach to people in rehab about the freedom of Christ. And it became very real to me that I have to confess this and I have to take it before you and before that man's family and before the state of Mississippi. I read that, I thought a lot of things. One of the things you think is, would I do that? One of the things you think is, what's going to happen to him? But here's the thing that popped in my mind more than anything else. You want proof that the gospel is real? You want the proof that Jesus changes lives? You want the proof that God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to people's hearts and calls them to walk in righteous paths? You want the, you want the proof that when a person comes to faith in Christ, that God is in control. That story tells and gives the proof of what God does. And when you lay down your life before Christ, He will do great 
and wonderful things in your life and in your heart and to the people around you. My prayer for you today is that you lay down your life to Christ, that you open your heart to Him, that you trust Him in all of your ways, that you give yourself unto Him. You know what we do. We have an invitation time. We invite people to come to the front, talk with the pastor, pray here at the steps, pray with the pastor, profess your faith in Christ. If you'll come, we'll help you know what it means to lay down your life before Jesus and to give it unto Him. God has great and wonderful things for you. And He gave His Son for you to have them. And He wants you to trust His Son. Let's stand together and pray. At the conclusion of my prayer, it'll be time for you to come to the front. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great work on our behalf. Thank you for what you did for us, how you gave your son, how you gave your life for us. God, we praise you for that. We thank you for how you change people, for how your spirit comes to dwell within us. We thank you for people who trust you and follow you. God, would you draw people to yourself now? And we pray.